0: Yeah, it's Josh Williams here and welcome to episode number 14 of the one man podcast for Wednesday, August 16th, 2017. How you doing, guys? I I have had a, a great week. Lots of things have gone on. I have so much to tell you about today. Uh I'll talk about uh, going to Colony VR last week. I saw a couple movies, did a show at a campsite sort of thing, and uh and of course I had a wonderful trip to New York. So I'm going to tell you guys about all of that. I am uh I am super super tired. It's actually I don't know exactly what time it is. Let me click on my phone here. It's quarter to midnight on Tuesday. So normally in about 20 minutes from now I would have the episode for the week scheduled to upload. And you just get it. But guess what? I am not going to be done in time because I'm not going to give you a 15 minute episode. I have so much to talk about. This episode is probably going to be a longer one. So you might have to listen in chunks. But uh, we got home. We drove overnight uh, from New York last night. And I'll tell you more about that later on. But uh, but I got in, got home at like, I think 11 o'clock this morning, slept all day, woke up very late this evening. And, uh, and just trying to get this thing out for you guys. I want to be on time. I don't want you to, you know, wake up Wednesday morning and go, where the hell is my podcast? All right, it's, it's a coming. Uh, it's coming right now. Um, but yeah, guys, let's talk about it. I, I had a, a great week. Let's go back to the uh, the earliest part of it. Last week on, uh, on Tuesday night, I went out with the lady. We were looking for something fun to do. I think I had mentioned last week that, you know, I had something planned. Wasn't quite sure if we were going to end up doing it. Well, we went to a place called Colony VR. It's right down the street from Absolute Comedy, not too, too far from where I live and it's uh, like it's a virtual reality place they got all sorts of different games and activities and things like that um, I had heard of them and I knew they were close by and I figured you know what I was looking for something to do that that popped in my mind I said why not check that out um, so it's kind of cool the way it works is um, they're sort of like these booths I did not know what to expect because when I called them they were like hey what do you guys how many hexes do you need and I go I don't know there's two of us does that mean we need two and Basically what it is is like every year you're, you're in this that's are no sort of a warehouse area and you're in this big open space where they have like it almost looks like virtual golf machines if you've ever played like virtual golf where you sort of have like a, a screen and an area that you stand in well the area that you stand in has like a VR helmet that sort of suspends from the ceiling. Above it is a big screen sort of showing what's being seen in the helmet. And then a little further back is like a seating area. So, like, you can get, like, four people. They're all taking turns playing VR games. And then the other three can sort of sit down and watch on the big screen what they're doing. So it's kind of like a little, you know, group group area, but only one person at a time. You can rent multiple helmets and play at the same time. But you're sort of really – I didn't get too much details, but you can not exactly play at the same time. Uh, time in the same game sort of thing like you just sort of you're both there at the same time playing your own games so it's kind of more fun to you know one person watches the other person plays and then you switch off and whatever it's, it just keeps things fun anyways we uh, we played some different games uh, there it was interesting we both started off by just sort of like enjoying the VR if you haven't played uh, a virtual reality game before someone had showed me like a, a virtual reality comedy show that was filmed and without going into too much detail Um, These things are filmed with like these pods that have like, let's say six GoPros on them. So I'm sure you've seen it on Facebook where there's like 360 things and you can spin around and you might be like, how the fuck do they do that? Well, what they do is they use like this special pod thing that effectively has like uh, six GoPros on it. They're all sort of pointed in different directions and they're all recording and then of course there's software, special software that sort of stitches the image. It, it knows automatically where the edge of the image will be for each one and stitches them all together appropriately. So when you look around, you're just looking at images that have all been, you know, put together sort of thing. Anywho, that's how VR, you know, works in terms of filming it. Games are a lot different because they just sort of have a, I know, again, you design it and it just sort of knows where the camera's pointed and shows you what it's looking at. So, um, I, I had never really seen a game, you know, played in VR in terms of, you know, being in the headspace of it, but uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoyed putting the helmet on and sort of taking a peek at the game because it's different. I kept calling it 3D all day, oh, we're gonna go do this 3D thing. 3D and VR, very different. 3D is just, a, again, it's an image that's sort of coming at you, but it's still sort of contained in a box in front of you. You put on a VR helmet, all you see around you, you know, you turn your head, that's how you you sort of turn the camera in the screen is you're turning your head and it's following with you. Um, all this long explanation aside, we put on this helmet, there was so many different games. So there was one where we just stood there and you're sort of standing on like the, the deck of this sunken ship underwater and there's fish and, and jellyfish and whales and things swimming around you. And it's kind of cool to just turn around and see what's, what's where. Um, I think, uh, crystal played this game where, sh- you know, you're, you're standing there, you're shooting at these aliens that are coming up, you know, these robot alien things that are, they're flying around in front of you. And, uh, You know, you use these two little control sticks in your hands that are, that are kind of like a, it's not a, it's like playing Wii kind of only you're in the game, right? And so whatever's actually like you feel sticks in your hands, but when you look at your hands, you're holding like guns or something like that. Like it's completely immersive. You know, you're whatever's on the outside of the helmet is so not what you see on the inside of the helmet you know, I think I tried that game too. So it's like, you have like a two guns, but if you, if you reach behind yourself and then come forward, it changes sort of what the gun in your hand is to like a shield. And you can sort of, I don't know. I, I got to tell you guys, I don't know. I don't know what your interests are, but Crystal's not much of a gamer. Um, but she was having fun, you know, playing some of these games. They had like a, a dance dance revolution or, or, You know, Let's Dance, whatever those sort of guitar hero type ones where you're just sort of matching. Well, there was one called like Sound Song Punch or Music Punch or something like that. And the whole idea is that you've got to stick in each hand, like I said, like the Wii. But you're in VR, so you're in this big open space where... Uh, you know, colors are coming at you and one color is your right hand, the other color is the left hand. And it makes you actually like crouch and stand up. So you're punching like high punching low, which sort of forces you to, to sort of dance a bit, you know, kind of thing. And you're in this big world, all the music's coming at you. And because you're wearing a helmet, keep in mind, you've got, you know, headphones on the helmet has headphones too. So you're all you can see is, is the, the world that you're in and all you can hear is the world that you're in. So you're, you know, you're the music is great, you're dancing around, you're looking all over the place, you, know, you see is like stars and fireworks. Like it's really I gotta tell you, honest to God, it's really immersive. It's very, very cool. Like you can tell why this kind of thing is gonna be the next big thing. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of video game companies like Xbox and PlayStation, they were all, you know, pushing their their connects, you know, the Xbox Connect and the PlayStation, I don't know, iToy or whatever the hell it's called. And these are all games where you stand in front of your TV and you sort of, you know, move back and forth and dance, and it tries to like it basically just scans your body and and you know goes with it. Well, both of them have stopped putting a lot of effort into that because they know that virtual reality is going to be the next big thing. PlayStation already has their VR helmet out. Uh, Xbox is, of course, Microsoft, and I think they're working with the Oculus Rift. Um, so they're they've all stopped putting effort and research into into the, the camera that watches you because they know you're just going to put the fucking helmet on your head, uh, you know, in the next year or so. And then that's it. That's just, you're going to be right in the world as opposed to dancing around on your TV. Um, Very, very cool. I don't know. This is, this is all to say that if you've never played with something like virtual reality, see if whatever city or town you're in has, has a place like this, like a, you know, virtual reality gaming center, because we went in and there was hundreds of games that we could play. I played one that was very similar to like plants versus zombies in the sense that, you know, um, there's zombies coming at you. You have a table of different kinds of guns and things behind you. So you're constantly turning around to look at the table for new weapons. And every time you turn around, the zombies are like closer. So, um, and it's really cool. Like I said, you're standing there. I'm standing there. So I actually have to physically turn around to start grabbing guns off of a table. And when I turn back, I can see how much closer the zombies are. And it's, it catches you off guard, right? It's not like flicking a button or, or changing weapons, you know, with a button, and you don't take your eyes off the zombies. It's kind of like in a real situation where if something was coming at you, but everything you needed was behind you, you'd have to turn around and grab it. You know, take your eyes off the, the threat. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. There was a game called uh, Emily Wants to Play, too. Now you can play this on computer, and I think some of the consoles have it. Um, it's scary to watch someone play it on a video game like console, like on its on a screen. Um, I gotta tell you when I put the helmet on, it's basically this game where you're a pizza delivery guy. you show up in this house. Um, there's nothing really wrong with the house and by by you know first look, but uh you know you you slowly realize that you're being pursued by these dolls like ventriloquist dummies and and dolls. and I think I, I mean I'd seen it played before on YouTube and uh, I put the helmet on and I have to say when you put the helmet on and you got the thing over your ears, you're effectively got your eyes open, you're standing in this house. And I'm like, every time I turned around, you know, like there's a fucking doll in front of me and they're, they're, you know, giggling in my ears and stuff. It was, I probably lasted realistically 30 seconds before I'm like, okay, fuck that. And I had to pull the helmet off because I'm like, yeah, I can't stand in this dark house with shit running around behind me. And everywhere I look is, is, you know, it's not like watching a movie where you can turn your head away from the screen because your eyes are open. You're all you can see is inside this house. You are in the house in terms of the reality. So. Um, yeah, whatever that all that to say nine fucking minutes into the podcast is in terms of doing the VR, I would definitely recommend it. Um, it, it's, it's very vivid. So depending on what you're, you're watching or doing, like if you're watching a movie, I think that's going to be hard to do in terms of the VR, because we all know that, you know, in terms of movies, um, there's camera crews and sounds and sound engineers and, and grips and fucking gaffers and shit like that all standing around. So on one side of the thing is is that so you wouldn't be able to have all of that in a movie, but I think they're they're looking to do things like that. I know that they're doing 3D or sorry again see there I go I go call it 3D uh, VR um, comedy shows and performance events because then they just put, sort of put the pods in there. And that way, once they've stitched everything together, you could put on a helmet and actually like watch a show. So if you were sitting, you know, you stare at the the stage and you're going to see the performer. But if you look to your left or your right or behind you, you're going to see the other audience members that were there when it was filmed. So, you know, and their reactions and stuff. Very, very cool. Um, I'll try to wrap that portion up. But I I got to tell you guys, honestly, in terms of technology and, and the way the world's going, like if you like going to the movies, forget the video game aspect. But if you like going to the movies and you know you enjoy IMAX and, and 3D, uh, know that VR takes that to the next level in a big, big way. So even if you're not interested in playing video games, see if you can find one of these places just to put a virtual reality helmet on. And like I said, stand on the bow of a sunken boat and look around at whales and sharks and jellyfish and schools of fish and things like that that are swimming past you and just see how like how vivid it is because like i said as you turn your head you're you're sort of just it's like you're standing there you're looking around if you look up you see up if you look down you see down you know it's not like a a screen that you have to control with something you just turn your head and and you see what you see very very cool moving forward guys uh if you're in the auto area i'll give them a little plug Uh, colony vr they were very very good to us as well they didn't uh so it's it can be a little pricey. It's uh, about 40 bucks an hour, which I, I still think is worth it for the experience and all the selection that they have. Uh, they gave us a little bit of a hookup f- with, uh, you know, our affiliation with absolute comedy. So um, they were good and uh, definitely appreciate it. So if you're in the auto area, colony VR, I can recommend here. I'm sure they exist in, in all the other big cities. Um, saw a couple flicks last week. It was my buddy Dave's uh, birthday on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, happy birthday to him then, of course. Um I was gonna say happy belated, but I wasn't fucking late. I said, happy birthday. Then we went to go see Dunkirk, everybody. I don't know if, uh, if you had an opportunity to see this just yet, but, uh, Dunkirk has been getting rave reviews. Oh, it's such a great movie. Another masterpiece from Christopher Nolan. Um, I gotta, I gotta tell you, um, let's, okay. So spoiler free. Okay. Spoiler free. I'm going to talk about the movie. I'm going to talk about things that happen, uh, but I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Uh, spoiler alert it's fucking based on history so you know what happens for the most part but in terms of characters and stuff like that i'm not gonna fuck it up um dunkirk has no blood in it for the most part and i mean there's a scene where you basically someone is dead and there's blood behind their head you know what i mean like they they touch their hair and there's blood but that's like that's the only scene with blood i can remember there's there's shooting there's guys getting killed there's no blood so it's not don't expect a saving private ryan movie and i think that one of the reasons that they did that is to get like a pg-13 rating or something i don't know what it's rated but i do know that when you have people getting shot and there's blood changes the rating less people can go see it so um for a war movie where there's scenes of people getting shot at and things like that with with absolutely no blood it's very um history channel-ish as opposed to you know, like an action sort of adventure, which is what I was led to believe. Everyone's talking about how exciting it is, and right from the first moment of the the movie, you're right engaged in it. I, I gotta say, I really wasn't. Um it's it was it was good, but I, I can tell you right now, I would suggest anyone wait for it to show up on Netflix. Um and this whole like, oh, shot in IMAX, you gotta see it in IMAX. Didn't uh, really didn't have a whole lot going on. I felt like there was a lot of little side stories that kind of went nowhere. They had really big actors playing certain roles that wasn't much to the role, you know. Um, it's not. I don't. I don't know if it's me, just you know, maybe something went over my head or whatever. But I, I really don't think that's the case. I went to see Dunkirk. It was historically accurate, um, but it really like it looked like they were trying to develop characters that just went nowhere. You know, they got big actors like Tom Hardy and Cillian Murphy. Tom Hardy spent most of the movie with his face behind a uh, fighter pilot's mask. So the most of the movie is, is the mask on his face. Like the only recognizable part of him that you can see is his eyes, which to me feels like a pretty big waste of, of Tom Hardy. Uh, Cillian Murphy, I think that's how you pronounce his name. The guy who played Scarecrow in the early Batman movies, of course, also um Directed by Christopher Nolan. Hey, a little side trivia for you: uh, Bane is Tom Hardy, um, which Christopher Nolan directed, right? And in the Dark Knight Rises, and Cillian Murphy, Scarecrow from Batman Begins. Just saying, Christopher Nolan likes his dudes. But uh, yeah, I mean the 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 action scenes. Sort of felt forced at times. It really felt like there was just action coming from nowhere. It doesn't really set it up like it initially, but then you just start to see these these jump arounds in time. So at first, it looks like it's going in a very linear story progression, and then it's and then it's backwards in time. So you're seeing an event happen that looks like it's happening let's just say it's it's what's happening over the course of a couple days or something Um, an event happens what which is seemingly in the third day for these one guys and then it's showing you this scene and you're going oh this is okay you're interested and then you see one of the characters from scene and he's back in it. you're like well that was two days ago and it doesn't really set things up like you realize that the time's bouncing around till halfway through and then you have to sort of put it together for yourself so it's almost like it's showing you a scene i don't it's I really, really didn't find it as gripping and action-packed and good storytelling as all the reviews. So if, if you're a history buff, it's historically accurate. Um, it's just not overly exciting to me. Um, you know, they, they build some characters up like they're, like they're special. They're going to be an important part of the movie. They make them look like they've got a story to tell. And then they just they go out with a whimper like like with nothing with no no big send off it's not it's not dramatic that they're that they you know die or or move on to something else or whatever it is um it's really not that dramatic um in that regard i don't know i i i think that's the problem nowadays with with all these promos and commercials coming out saying hey this movie's going to be the next biggest thing it's going to be fantastic yada 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 and then it just doesn't you know um I really not uh, really wasn't impressed with Dunkirk. I got to tell you, um, didn't it didn't suck, but uh, all the hype and and for a Christopher Nolan movie who usually does a, a great job with stuff, um, I was a little disappointed. Anyways, that was Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday during the day, I got to say too, I did a podcast with Tommy Savitt, so that episode came out. Uh, as a bonus, last Friday. So, if you haven't uh, listened to any of the bonus episodes, I do have some people who listen to the One Man Podcast that listen to only the One Man Podcast and who aren't overly interested in the uh, interview episodes. I can't, I shouldn't even say not overly interested because I don't know what their reasoning is for. But I've, I've got friends who are like, "Well, I listen to your podcast, but I haven't listened to the interviews yet." Um, I just gonna say, I, I try to handpick the people that I'm going to interview um, only because I, I work with a lot of comics who, you know, very funny guys. Um, have great jokes stuff like that but maybe um wow how do you know like i'm not even trying to insult anyone i just mean that the people that i interview i feel like are, are very very interesting they've got a they've had a certain level of success um have have had certain you know achievements and and hit milestones um and uh and i feel like they have something that to, to share that's worth listening to so um You know, only in that regard is that I'm trying to make it, uh, I'm not trying to make it interesting. I'm trying to interview people that I think that you guys will really enjoy hearing interviewed. Um, so, so just know, you know, the interviews aren't throwaways. I could interview a different guy that I came up with in comedy and we'll talk about, you know, shows and gigs and, you know, five years experience, that kind of thing. But uh, I'm trying to get the people who I think are some of the heavy heavier hitters that uh, that really have something to share that could inspire you guys, whether that be you know in stand up or or you know in life or to be an entrepreneur. Anywho, all this to say that Tommy Savitt, uh, his interview was a lot of fun. Um, he's a very intelligent, uh, very intelligent guy. Um, he uh, he's the the Tommy Lama, very spiritual uh, person. Uh, it's a great satire and, uh, the interview is great, but anyways, just, uh, I, I did that with him last Wednesday and that was a lot of fun guys. So the episode's out. If you haven't heard it yet, please, uh, please listen to it. It's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of fun for you. Um, speaking of movies the other movie I saw last week, uh, you know, on the old date night Friday with my lady was, uh, I went to see Annabelle creation and that one, I, I don't know if you guys are horror Like, again, I played that stupid. Emily wants to play game for like 30 seconds, you know, and I had to take it off. I like going to the horror movies with Crystal. It's kind of our thing. Uh, we like horror movies. I, I st- <laughs> sit with my eyes closed for most of them because I am a huge pussy. I have an overactive imagination. So as much as I like the horror movies and like to, this, the scared feeling, like the, the build up to the thing that pops out and, and scares the shit out of you, I sit with my fucking eyes closed uh, because I I am so high strung. You know, like with the tension. So when something pops, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! Like I, I yell out in the theater and fucking jump. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It doesn't even work with my eyes closed because I can hear everything, and the noise still comes at you abruptly. So um, Annabelle Creation, it's just a story, just a, an excuse to make a horror movie from the people that uh, that did The Conjuring. Um, James Wan, who wrote and directed. Uh, the first saw movie, he also, uh, wrote and directed the first two insidious movies and wrote and directed, uh, conjuring and conjuring Two. He's the executive producer of this. So he didn't write it. He didn't direct it. Um, but the director was somebody whose name I have not researched. Um, I found it out. Don't know his name, whatever, but the, he directed that lights out movie. So if you see the one where it's like this, this ghost demon thing that, that only exists in the dark, you know, you have to turn the lights off and it exists in the dark kind of thing. So keep the lights on kind of like that darkness falls movie, but anyways, it was a little short. You can, you can YouTube it. If you YouTube lights out, you'll see the original short, very, very spooky. Um, very, very cool. This, this director has done a a bunch of little short film things on YouTube and, uh, and then someone green lit him to do a feature length version of lights out, which was very creepy. Um, he is the director of Annabelle creation. So Annabelle creation is the story of how Annabelle, the doll, uh, gets possessed and becomes, uh, you know, super spooky and scary. So I watched half the movie cause the other half my eyes were closed. Uh, lots of jump scares too. If you're a horror movie fan and you feel like you watch a horror movie and there's maybe like, you know, let's say five to seven times you jump and it's scary and the rest of the movies just sort of plot and stuff. Um, those movies can be good. If it's a good story and, you know, those, those. they make those five to eight jumps count, more power to you. Sometimes the story is not as strong. Um, in this particular case, not a super strong story, but holy shit, does it make you jump fucking constantly. Like so many, so many stressful scenes <laughs> where I had my eyes closed. So if you do like horror movies and, and you know, um, I guess what I want to say is, you uh, what I, what I wanted of a horror movie guys, if you're, if you're a horror fan is I want to be scared. So I don't know if I've said this before. Uh, a lot of times I feel like I, re- I might be repeating myself, but this is what I look for in a movie. Okay. Here's the, here's the reason why I didn't like Dunkirk. All right. To me, Dunkirk was sold to me like it was a drama and the end it was an action movie. Um, I found the story, which already know in terms of the simple, simple story of the troops were stranded on the beach and Britain came to get them right. Um, I didn't find that they really developed any characters deeply, so didn't give a shit about the characters, Um, didn't find the action to be overly good. Um, So I went to go see a drama And I went to go see an action, didn't get drama, didn't get action, didn't like the movie, but that's my criteria for judging movies. If I go to see a drama, that means I'm going to see a story. I want a good story. You give me a good story. I'm happy. If I go to see a comedy, the story can be stupid, but if I'm laughing my ass off, good comedy, you know, if I go to see a fucking horror movie, I want to be scared, you know, and if I'm fucking sitting there with my eyes closed half the time, it's doing its job. I jump and scream and piss off like three people next to me. Then it was a it was a good time. So that's all I'm trying to say is if you're into a particular type of movie, you know, um, that's all that's all I expect from it. Uh, Dunkirk didn't do its job. Annabelle Creation did. Um, I hope that gives you any kind of incentive to see the movies or whatever. Um, Saturday, I uh, I did a show at uh, McGowan Lake. Had never heard of it, but I guess it's like a big group of people. It's like a campgrounds, and it's people the same people that go every year. So, on Saturday night, um I think I spent the day getting i think spent Saturday trying to get ready for my trip to New York, which was happening like first thing on the morning Sunday, so I was getting stuff ready, trying to to be top of my game things like that and um and i and I started to feel my allergies creeping up. it's August now, I have terrible terrible ragweed allergies, and uh i think i i I made a bad move by having a Costco sized benadryl at least that's the the the, whatever the the active ingredient is in a benadryl i got the generic ones of those but costco ones have double the milligrams of that active ingredient and it made me drowsy as hell so i drove an hour to the gig and when we started i was starting to feel myself Fading like passing out and I was closing the show for the it was inside a hall wasn't outside I know I say campgrounds. It sounds like I'm standing around a campfire, you know, yelling at people No, we were inside we were in a hall And it was all the, the campers coming in and there was no bar or anything inside It was just the campers bringing their coolers a beer and getting drunk um, But I I remember the the first there was two shows didn't realize this There was a show for like amateurs one of the comedians that I work with Jason Harper super good guy uh, and he's a regular at this, this campground every year they had, uh, they had said to him, Hey, you should do a comedy show sometime. So what Jason's idea was, was he sent out an open invitation to anyone who maybe wanted to try stand up, and he was going to host like a, like sort of an amateur show, maybe find five or six campers who wanted to try stand up comedy. He would host it. That'd be a fun little activity for them, you know, in the middle of the summer. Um, only got two people that signed up. So what they ended up doing was this sort of little amateur show at the beginning and then a pro show afterwards. So I was closing the pro show. Uh, supposed to start at nine. Uh, we started a little late cause, uh, you know, campers had been drinking, been out in the lake and stuff like that. Started a little late. And I think like I was, I was, I was asleep. I was sitting in a chair in the back of the room, like holding my head up, but I had my eyes closed. I was listening to some of the show. I may have even passed out a few times during. So I think for a nine o'clock show, I don't think I got on stage until like 11 o'clock. So, uh, the two guys who were trying to stand up for the first time were very funny. Everybody knew everybody else. Everyone knew a lot about the place. So these guys were all telling jokes about the campgrounds and certain people and stuff. Um, of course myself and uh, the other comic who came up, Aaron power, uh, who was my feature act. He, uh, we didn't, didn't know any of these people. So we had fun making you know jokes about camping and stuff like that, but we didn't, uh, we didn't know. Whereas Jason, uh, the two amateurs and then the guy who closed the first show, Jesse Flegel, um they all knew everybody so so people were having fun they were having a good time it was it was a fun crowd but I have never ever ever in my life been falling asleep at a show that I'm supposed to be the feature act you know what I mean like I'm headlining the the not feature sorry but the headlining the show I need to do 45 minutes it's like 10 o'clock at night I can't keep my eyes open and I go and and I don't even know how much longer it's going to be before I get on right and this is also this is also 11 o'clock at night. I'm going on stage the night before I have to get up at eight o'clock in the morning, pack and leave for New York, you know, seven and a half hour drive. Um, so I don't know. It, it, the show went good. We uh, went good, went good. No, it was, it was a lot of fun. People were very, very friendly, very, very nice. But I think, uh, I think i might have to find a way to manage my allergies without drugging myself before shows. Cause that was, uh, that was freaky. I was, I was, I gotta be honest with you. I was sitting there and I was, I was getting kind of anxious at the idea that, you know, um, I'm falling asleep. I can't keep my eyes open. I have to go up there and entertain these people for, for 40 minutes. And, you know, and I'm being paid to do it. Like there's the professional thing. Right. So a little story about stand up comedy. I, uh, I did stand up like, luckily, you know, once you get on stage, there's, there's a lot of adrenaline that hits your system. So it wakes you up. But of course, not only was I, was I getting off stage at close to midnight Um, but I also had an hour, hour and a half drive back to Ottawa afterwards too. So it's not like just like, okay, when midnight's over, I I made it. It's like, now I'm falling asleep on my way home in the dark in the middle of the night. So anyways, all that to say another example of a weird thing that you do in comedy, did a campground show, drugged. (laughs) <laughs> the the crowd was fun. Apparently, I, I touched on something too. There was a there was a guy there who was sort of he was nice, a friendly guy, but he was sort of you know chatting a little bit because he would had quite a few of his Budweisers. All the cans were lined up on the, the table in front of him. But uh, it was funny. I just gave him a name. Just I'll do that sometimes when I'm talking to people. I'll be like, all right, Steve, just throw a name out. Well, apparently, um, when I was chatting with them, I found out he was on his second marriage. Nothing with that. Someone had told me uh, after the show. They're like, you know, that guy that you were calling Steve, and I go, yeah. they go, his name is Chris, and I go, okay, well, cool. I mean, I was just joking when I called him Steve. And they go, yeah, but you know what's really funny? Like, you know how he said he's divorced? Uh, he caught his wife cheating, and the guy who was banging his wife, his name was Steve. So you're actually calling him the name of the guy that was. Fu-. I'm like, wow. Of course I would stumble. I, of course I would accidentally and and unknowingly um, call somebody the the name of the person that they probably hate the most in the world. So. That was something I I drugged myself. I I may have (laughs) inadvertently hurt someone unknowingly. He was laughing, having a good time, but I hope, I hope that was the actual case. I would hate to know that maybe he was hurting on the inside, but, uh, I'm a big idiot. And, uh, (laughs) we had, we had fun with those people. That was, uh, that was Saturday night. And of course, Sunday, I'm so sorry for the low energy, by the way, too. I know everyone's telling me to stop apologizing, but. I, I am, I am, I'm, I'm pushing through this one guys. And I know I have some fun stuff coming up to talk about. So I'm, I'm looking to get to that, but my energy is a little low. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually drinking my usual Summersbee of course, but I've got a big hot cup of coffee here too, to help, uh, charge up the, the battery. I'd normally do this tomorrow, but, but I can't wait. We got to have it free in the morning. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Yeah. I want this to be there free in the morning, guys. I want that to be the one thing that you can count on from me. Maybe you can't even count on it. It'll be funny or interesting, but you can count on that. It will be there for you on Wednesday when you get up. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, Sunday morning, I get up, start packing time to go to New York city. My good friend, hysterical comedian, Paul Verzi is recording his very first, uh, comedy special. And I should say is recording. That's, that's the mindset on Sunday. He has recorded it at this point. Um, but yeah, so Sunday morning, uh, myself and my roommate, Kamar, who's also a great comic, um, he, uh, Paul was filming a special in Terrytown, New York, which I did not know. This was right next to sleepy hollow. It's a little North of Manhattan. So we're basically, you know, New York, um, and sleepy hollow from the headless horseman story there, the, uh, the legend of sleepy hollow, uh, that's right there. That's, that's where that area is. And apparently in sleepy hollow every year. Fuck, am I all over the map already? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll get to that. Anyways, headed to Terrytown Music Hall. That's where Paul is filming a special. About seven and a half hours away from Ottawa. Kamara and I pack up the car. We leave Sunday morning. We got ourselves a nice Airbnb that's just over the state line in New Jersey. About twenty minutes away from the venue. Perfect. Great price. Awesome. So uh, so we head down there. Everything's easy peasy. It's a nice drive for listening to music. All that fun stuff. Um. We got to our Airbnb probably about six o'clock or so. Um, our uh, our tickets for Paul's recording were at nine thirty and graciously uh, sent to me by by Paul. Paul put us on the guest list, so super super nice of him. What we did was we uh, we got to our Airbnb in New Jersey and uh, and just threw our stuff down, got ready to change because of course we have been in a car all day. And uh, we, we met our Airbnb host whose name was also Steve. And uh, super super good dude. Um, we got to chatting with him a little bit when we got there, and we had uh, we had a reasonable amount of time to you know shower and change and all that stuff beforehand. But Steve was such a cool guy. We started chatting with him, found out he's uh, an attorney in uh, I don't know if he's in New York or New Jersey. Where the Airbnb was in New Jersey, but uh, he's uh, he's an attorney and uh, he's also a boxing judge. So when he said he's a boxing judge, I was like, okay, and I'm thinking like. You know, it's like someone saying that they're like a hockey coach, right? Someone tells you that in Canada, you're like, okay, so like so probably some little, you know, little league or, or you know, pickup league or something like that. He's a coach, right? So when this guy says he's a boxing judge, I just assume, ah, maybe there's some, you know, it's, it's the States. They like to fight. <laughs> it's probably lots of local gyms and things like that. Little, uh, little matches box. turns out he was the judge of the last Mayweather fight. So this guy is a big deal. He's met John Donald Trump at fights many times, which probably gave Kamara boner cause he's a huge Trump supporter. But, uh, they were, they were chatting about that. He's, he's, he's a big deal in terms of the, you know, the boxing judges. So, uh, it was really cool to sort of chat with Steve about that. And then when, when we had mentioned to him sort of what had brought us down to town, um, he was like, Oh, that's really cool. Is it, is it all right? If you know, I like, I go to, I buy a ticket and check out this show. And he said, yeah, Absolutely. So, um, he had offered to drive too. And since I don't really know my way around, uh, New York or whatever, I thought that might be nice to have our, our Airbnb host to uh, join us. And when he offered to drive, I said, sure. So, uh, so Steve was super dude, had a great time chatting with him, getting to know him. Um, he came with us to the show and when we got there, um, the lineup outside Terrytown music hall was around the block for the late show. So he'd already been, he'd already been doing his early show, the recording there, Um, I believe I mentioned this already, but, uh, he was recording his special guys, which is a huge deal. Um, it's his first comedy special, um, there. And when I say recording, I mean like video. So not like it's it's not a CD. This is a special that will be out. I don't know when or on what platforms, um, when I have that information, I'll give it to you. But, uh, but for now, all I know is he did the early show was filmed, ready to go. And now we're standing in line around the block, uh, you know, and I don't mean around the corner. I mean, this lineup goes around the block to get people inside. Um, we're standing in line and, uh, and Bill Burr and Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live start, uh, start coming down the street and they're saying hello to everyone while they're waiting in line, uh, which is great. A couple of people behind us is like, what wow, does this happen all the time when you go to comedy shows? We said, no, this is it's a super, super cool thing that they came out. We're shaking hands and taking pictures with people and stuff like that. Um, so just exciting, just, just getting people excited for this show. um, I've mentioned before, Paul uh, was supposed to record his special uh, in May. Something happened. It got delayed. Um, I will mention right now, um, just to give some context, Paul and I recorded a podcast last night at uh, at his home. So that will be available for you guys on Friday. Very excited. It's funny because you're going to get this episode before you get the interview, although the interview was recorded last night and I'm doing this episode right now. So uh, just funny, sort of the timeline of how that stuff works. But just to let you know, Paul, uh, we'll, we'll give a little more information on that. But Paul was supposed to record a special in May. Something happened, and uh, and he had to, to, to walk away from it at the time. And the cool thing is that Bill Burr and uh, some other comedians in Los Angeles own a, a – network called All Things Comedy and they decided that they were going to produce this special for him. So Pete Davidson executive producer, Bill Burr executive producer on this. Uh, and it was cool for everyone to just be so behind it. And everything I was really, really excited. I gotta tell you, I was I was grinning ear to ear before the show even started, just at all the support and and people who were there to see Paul. Uh, we got inside. I mean, not to, to give too much away. The special was amazing. Uh, Paul was so comfortable, so in his in the zone for the the whole thing. Like, I, I got to tell you guys, um, once the special comes out, I'm going to be one of the biggest advocates for you to to take a look and, and watch it. So, um, it, I got a chance to see a bunch of a bunch of big comics were there to see it, and then of course uh, we had an awesome awesome after party afterwards at a place called. Uh, Barley on the Hudson. Um, it was just it was right at the Hudson River. Great, great look of some of the bridges and and New York City. Um, what to say about that? I do have to say that when we were still at the Terrytown Music Hall, which is where Paul uh, filmed special, I um, I got to give a shout out to a guy named Jason on the staff. Um, they were very very strict about a lot of things, and uh, I had to wait in a really long line uh, to get to the bathroom. And then uh, I wanted to get something to drink because, again, we'd been sort of on the road all day and was getting a little patched, you know, and um, and they had shut down the line to the bars because they were trying to get people back to the seats again where they're recording. So they can't have people getting up. You couldn't go to the bathroom during the recording. You couldn't go to the bar. The bar was closed. So what ended up happening was was I was trying to get to the bathroom before the show, waiting in a long lineup for that. And when I went to get a drink afterwards, uh, the the staff member was like, hey, it's sorry, like they've, they've shut it down. No one else can get the bar. And I was like, oh, and I I turned on the charm a little bit and I was telling him, hey man, I drove all the way from Canada, just didn't really have a chance to get a lot to drink on the way. Yada yada yada. It was super cool and was very kind. Let me he goes, all right, just lot be last one though. So he was kind. So I want to say thank you to Jason on the staff for that. Jay was very, very cool. And he even remembered my name after the show. So two hours later, when we're walking out, he goes, You have a good time, Josh? And I was like, Ah, oh, Jason had a great time. So that's very cool. I just I want to say every time you know somebody does something nice for you. Ask them their name. Remember, it. it makes a big difference. Like I said, he remembered mine too. It was very cool. So I just wanted to thank him. Um, on our way to the uh, the after party at uh, Barley on the Hudson, um, our guest, sorry, our host for the Airbnb, Steve, um, was walking us through Sleepy Hollow to the car because we couldn't park anywhere near the place. Um, and he was telling us that, yeah, it's like the Sleepy Hollow from the the lore or whatever. And uh, and every year in Sleepy Hollow, it, it looked like a little old town kind of thing, like like modern, but... Modern in the sense that there's electricity and shit, but it had like all the old gazebos and, and the old sort of like uh, clocks on the lamppost kind of thing. Like it was very, very cool. And he was mentioning how like every year in October they do like headless horsemen reenactments and stuff in the streets and people buy their tickets like months ahead. So that just sounded like something very, very cool that I'd like to do. And uh, again, I didn't realize that, you know sleepy hollow was in new york i don't know why i would always think it'd be like some weird some weird small town in like connecticut or something like that or new hampshire i don't know anyways but sleepy hollow what do you know it's just north of new york city um but yes yeah, so we went to uh, barley on the hudson that was amazing um i'm i'm standing there i'm gonna sneeze in a sec maybe maybe not maybe i'll just make no noise for a little bit or All it's right. going away that's back to the fucking allergies with with ragweed being august um so went to uh, barley on the hudson I first person I went and said hello to was my good buddy Joe Bartnick, who I have, you know, recorded an interview with recently. Um, Joe was uh, was happy to see me. I was happy to see him. Um, Yeah, we had a good time. I I bumped into Daniel Toronto, who I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, Great comic originally from Montreal now makes his home in New York. Um, I had a chance to meet Giannis Papas, who's a great stand-up comic who, uh, who I've, I've listened to for a very long time, never met him, but Giannis was there. I had an opportunity to shake his hand, meet him. I got to meet, uh, the owner of the Gotham comedy club, whose name is Steven Mazzilli. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, but somebody introduced me to Steve as, uh, like he, Steve's a comic and I, I I was like, oh, okay, he's a comedian. So I was chatting with him, just thinking he was another comic. We were having a good conversation, very comfortable, you know, because it's easy to talk to comics, right? We're all in the same sort of fraternity. And then it wasn't until later. So at one point, I'm just like, so I'm like, how long have you been doing it? And he's like, doing what, doing what? And I go, you know, like stand up. And he goes, I'm not a comedian. And I go, what? He goes, no, I'm a, I'm a club owner. And I go, oh, shit. And I go, what, what, what club? And he goes, Gotham. I'm like, holy fuck. I'm like, that's a huge club. You know what I mean? It's one of the most popular. They got the Live at Gotham show. And I was like, oh, now I have to be afraid of you and intimidated by you. <laughs> it's like, why? And I go, just, well, you're a club owner, man. I, I go, I didn't know until now. So I think that actually helped me a little bit because I would I would have been more, sorry, I'm trying to fix my frigging papers here. They're folding up on me. Um, I think I would have been more intimidated. like, oh, the owner of Gotham. And I would have just been afraid to even talk to him. But because we were shooting the shit and having a good time before I even knew who he was, I think that that sort of made things a little more comfortable. At least for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I still, I talked a little shop with him, but he gave me his card and said, send me a, uh, send me a video or, you know, maybe come down and showcase. And that's a good thing. So I had an opportunity to talk with him. He was a super cool dude. Um, who else did I get to talk to? Oh, I get to see, I get to meet Alex Pavone finally, or Pavone. I appreciated him saying that because everyone calls him Alex Pavone, but he was saying, well, my last name is actually Pavone. Um, great comic. He, uh, he has opened for Bill Burr uh, recently in the last few months. Um, originally from Toronto makes his home in New York. Now I got to meet, uh, Robert Kelly, Bobby Kelly, super funny guy. Uh, he is, uh, plays Louis Louis CK's brother on the show. Louis. uh, he's been doing comedy for a long time. He's got the, you know what dude podcast, super, super funny guy. Very, very nice. Uh, of course, Bill Burr was there and I got an opportunity to, to chat with him a little bit. Um, you know, uh, it was, it was really cool. I was, I was around a lot of big names who were all very, f- f- you know, friendly and welcoming, Uh, try not to bother anybody too much, of course, because again, whom I'm I'm just some kid from Canada, but, uh, I gotta tell you guys, like it was, it was a pretty special event. Um, got an opportunity to try to think there was a few people, we, 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 uh, the guys were great. Uh, Bartnick, Burr, um, Pete Davidson, a lot of the guys who were part of the executive, they all got Paul, this, this, uh, like Oak cask of bourbon special sort of treat for him. There's pictures on Instagram of it. Um, you know, in celebration for his special. So, uh, you know, Joe and Paul invited me to come over and be a part of the toast for Paul's thing. That was, that was huge. Like we're talking to 10 people and some of the biggest names, uh, you know, in, in, in comedy in certain fields. And, uh, and they invited me to be a part of that toast. I was really, really, uh, really honored to be a part of that. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you guys how great a night it was. It was, it was great. They were passing and we were in this sort of back terrace, Uh, like a back patio overlooking the water so we were able to smoke cigars and stuff like that because it was all outside uh so they invited me to smoke a cigar with them too like it was just great it was great paul's paul's been a great friend and a great help he was one of the biggest helps um with me just finally getting the information i needed to to get this podcast off the ground um so it was just i wanted to support uh you know just be there to support a special just let him know like i'm happy for him and stuff and and just how many people were cool and invited me to be a part of things afterwards, um, was, was great. It was a great night. Um, our, our host, Steve, um, from the Airbnb, he had to work in the morning. So he left at one and was like, you guys want to come with me or do you want to take an Uber? And we're like, oh, we can get an Uber. I looked at my phone at like one I'm like, oh, there's, there's Ubers around. We can get one. Don't worry about it. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate the ride here. Well, at like three thirty in the morning when things were finally, you know, cooling down, um, There was no Ubers. It just I pulled up the phone and I'm like, oh, I'm in New York City, I'll be able to get an Uber. Pull up my phone, it says no Ubers available, and that's it. And everyone else is like going, you know, to you know, upstate New York or back into Manhattan or something like that. No one's going to New Jersey, (laughs) where our Airbnb is, about a 30-minute drive away. So needless to say, I started started to get a little concerned. I'm like, okay, no Ubers. I don't have my car. Uh, there's a toll bridge that I'm like. I asked them, I said, "Well, can I? Can we just walk across it? Worst case scenario?" And they're like, "No, you can't. You can't just walk across the toll bridge. You know, along that bridge, and take like an hour to, to walk across the bridge alone, and you, and you can't. It's not allowed." So I was like, "Okay, that's uh, that's worrisome." Um, had a chance to chat with the one of the cooks. Not that I'm changing the subject, but just while I'm sitting here sort of worrying, I walked up to a guy on the street uh, out front of the place. And was just like, hey, man, uh, any chance you live in New Jersey? Could we give you, you know, some money to maybe catch a ride some of the way with you? And he's like, oh, no, man, I live across the street. And I was like, oh, well, that's convenient that you were here. You know, the party was here. And he goes, oh, I work here. I'm the cook. Uh, his name was Trevor. Trevor was an awesome dude. We we shot the shit with Trevor. The food that they served at this party um, was amazing. They did like buffalo uh, wontons. Holy shit, they were good it was like a wonton filled with chicken and they had these different Buffalo sauce. They did these giant pretzels. Um, holy shit. Did Trevor ever kill it in terms of the food? So a uh, little shout out to him. Um, thank you so much for that. But when Trevor's like, no, nah, I, I just, I live across the street. I work here. We're like, shit. So I remember I pulled out my phone after, after praising him for the food, I pulled out my phone to see what time it was. And, and just on the screen in front of me on the Uber app, it just said your, your driver's on his way. But he's drop he's dropping off another passenger first. And I was like, uh I don't know how this happened, but thank God. So I guess my phone was just you know, maybe in my pocket and and there was a surge too. And I know in Ottawa, when you have a surge, you have to sort of type in the number and authorize the surge. The surge is basically a multiplier that makes the cost more expensive because of the supply and the demand. So, but when you when you accept a surge as part of the safety for people to not get pissed off after the fact, you have to like type in the number of surge and then hit surge or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You have to do a few security steps to actually accept the surge. Well, I didn't go through any of that. I pulled up my phone, and said no Ubers available. I put it back in my pocket. And when I pulled it out, miraculously, don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. Miraculously, there was a ride on its way. Um, and it said it'll be there in 20 minutes. So I'm like, all right, not gonna ask too many questions. Happy this is happening. But uh, it ended up being a $40 Uber uh, across the bridge. Because apparently when you take a toll, you pay for them not only to cross it. You don't, you don't pay just the toll. You pay for their toll back. So that was a thing. Um, but anyways, yeah, we got, we got back safe. Uh, Kamar had left his wallet in said Uber. So we didn't know this at the time. We got back to our Airbnb, believe it or not, at 5 o'clock in the morning. No regrets. Great time. Everything was fun. Um, but Kamara left his wallet. So I, I woke up to a text message at like 830 in the morning saying, um, hey, found Kamara's wallet in the the thing. What should I do? Um, our driver agreed to send it t- back to us via mail. Apparently, there's 10 bucks in the wallet. We said, use the 10 bucks. Send it in the mail. Thank you so much. Here's the address. And, uh, and then we went on with our plans for the Monday. Now, uh, Paul had invited us for dinner at his place and uh, to record the podcast. I talked to him beforehand and Paul, uh, Paul was like, yeah, let's do the podcast. He was so great. I, mean, I I can't tell you this guy, this party happening at the, at the, what is it? Barley on the Hudson. He was like, it was his night. He could have just been, he could have been drunk and just celebrating everything. Like Paul's worked so hard to get, this special done just planes and travel and, and grinding and find that he could have been like the, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to kind of attitude. He was thanking everyone from the bottom of his heart. He was so gracious. He was so kind, friendly, you know, uh, he really was just being so great to everybody. Uh, and when I, and when we were chatting, we chatted over and over Christmas night, but when we were chatting, he was like, he's like, dude, come over for dinner tomorrow night. We'll do the podcast afterwards. Can't wait to have you. He's like, I got some stuff during this day. So Anyways, needless to say, the next day when we got up, we, we resolved the wallet issue, but I had like three hours of sleep, right? We, we got to sleep at like five 30 in the morning. I woke up at eight 30 to, to answer these things about the the texts, tried to go back to sleep. Very, very difficult. You know, once you're up and, um, I think we had to be out for noon of the Airbnb. So I just remember waking up at 11 o'clock very quickly trying to pack and have a shower and everything like that. And, uh, and then we saw deer in the backyard. I spent like 15 minutes just following deer around the house. There was a big bunch of them in the front, like out front on the street. There was a bunch of them in the back. He had this sort of, uh, Steve had this nice house with like, um, a reasonable amount of like green space in the backyard. So trees, a little Creek, that sort of like a little Brook Creek thing that went through the back. So we're just watching these deers we don't have in the city. Just, just wandering around and, you know, family of deer, the big one. The, the father with the horns and everything like that. He got spooked a couple times. But I don't know. I don't know why I'm sharing that. There's there's fucking deer. You ever seen a deer? It's exciting, at least for city folk like me. Uh, I know people who live in the country don't like them. Because apparently they're a pain in the ass and they go in the garbage and stuff. But anyways, saw some deers. And then uh, Kamara and I were on our merry way. We were like, okay, we uh, we're going to go kill some time. The plan was, because I knew I was recording with Paul in the evening, my plan was to... All right, well, let's go see some sites. We're staying in New Jersey. What's in New Jersey that, that I know of? Um, and uh, while I'm sure there's tons of historical significant things, there's a lot of reality television ones that I'm aware of. So uh, I decided, give me one sec here, mm. just to keep this old whistle wet. Um, I know that uh, the cake boss uh, from that show, uh, Carlos Bakery is in Hoboken, New Jersey. So that's a show that I know of. I know that Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash is uh, is in New Jersey from uh, AMC's Comic Book Men. And finally, I know that the Jersey Shore is in New Jersey from the reality show Jersey Shore, uh, which I was telling you guys has been something that's on in the background while I'm doing my taxes. Uh <laughs> It's so funny. Anyway, I, mean, I don't want to go off the track. But um, So I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, well, how? where is where is Hoboken, New Jersey? Where is, where is Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash? Where is where is the Jersey Shore? And um, just doing the math, I think Jersey Shore was the furthest one away from where we were, which was about two hours. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob's was like an hour 20. And, uh, and Hoboken was about 40 minutes away. So I'm like, okay, we can get to these things, right? Um, but we didn't know exactly what time... We had to be at Paul's for dinner and we didn't know where exactly Paul's Paul's house was, um, you know, in terms of like geographically. Right. So I'm like, well, I know that we can get to Terrytown in 30 minutes from where we are at our Airbnb and everything else about two hours, the opposite direction at most. So by the time we finally got to the first stop of our little three, three stop reality TV tour in New Jersey, um, and we got to Hoboken and it was like, I think like two o'clock. Just from all the stopping and filling up and getting gas. I think Kamara and I went to, you know, get coffee, fill up on gas. And apparently in New Jersey everything is full serve gas stations. You can't pump your own gas. Um, so I spent probably twenty minutes trying to find a gas station that wasn't full serve, and I finally just asked the guy, is there any self serve gas station? He goes, Not in New Jersey, bro. No, man, not in New Jersey. He goes, I'm from New York. I tell people all the time, yo, I pump we pump our own gas. You know, in Jersey, it's like you know, I want full service or whatever. Anywho, so finally it was just it was one of those things where like you're trying to make time. You don't know where you're supposed to be or at what time, right, for, for Paul's thing, and that's not on him. He had a million things to do, so he couldn't even give me a definitive time. And it just occurred to me I didn't know what his address was. So when Kamara and I are trying to plan, you know, okay, we're gonna hit three different places that are, you know, two at most two hours away, not counting how much time you spend at each place and what traffic's like and yada yada. I just remember 2 o'clock, we finally get to Carlo's Bakery. We park uh, illegally on the street because we couldn't park anywhere close legally. So I figured, well, if I'm parking illegally, I'm going to park illegally right out in front of the place. So I went into the Cake Boss place, Carlo's Bakery in Hoboken, New Jersey. I got some cannolis to bring to the dinner at Paul's that night, which uh, I think a good guest should. You should always bring something if you're invited to someone's home. And, uh, and, I, and then I got a cannoli for the lady because I know her and I watched Cake Boss. And I know she loves cannolis. So uh, what better than to bring one back from one of the most world-renowned bakeries? Um, and then we got back to the car. I think it was like 2.30 at this point, And I'm going, I don't know what time is dinner to some people. You know, like Paul's Italian. I'm like, I don't know. Do they have strict dinner time? You know, Italian and Greek, two very big eating uh, cultures so, um, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if, if Paul says, Hey man, it's dinner time," yada, yada. I go, if we go another 40, I looked at the, the directions to Jane silent Bob's, uh, secret stash and it was saying it was like an hour, the opposite direction. So I said, well, if we drive an hour there, by the time we get there, it's going to be three thirty, you know, and probably a little bit longer with, with traffic and stuff. And I said, we look around, it's four o'clock. If Paul's like, Hey, let's do dinner. And Paul is let's say forty minutes north of the Airbnb, which was my only like benchmark point for geography at that moment. It was like okay, I don't want to drive all the way down to Jane and Silent Bob's thing. You know, it's three thirty, four o'clock, and then Paul goes, "Hey guys, can you be here at 5? And we're like, nah, "Earliest we can be there is two hours, right?" And I didn't want to drive all the way down to Jay and Silent Bob thing and, and then not be able to do the the last spot, of the Jersey Shore, which would be another forty minutes south. You know, and how long there? And I'm mean, gonna want to walk on the boardwalk or whatever. So anyways, needless to say, after going to the Hoboken and Carlos bakery, we decided to maybe we would head ourselves back in the direction of, uh, of New York as opposed to getting further and further south. So we uh, we drove back uh, and while we were in New Jersey, uh, I went to, we went to a couple different places we hadn't hadn't really eaten at this point. So on our way to Carlos bakery, we drove down this street uh, like a big strip, which is almost like it was like a highway that you could pull off. I don't know, it's like you take a main street with stuff on both sides, but you you make it a highway, you put concrete dividers in the middle. I don't know, I, I'm really not that good at describing things, especially when I feel like I have to do it quick. But long story short, it's it's a huge like three-lane street with a big highway-type divider in the middle, but you can just pull into places on the side. That's all. It looks like a highway with stores along the side. Anyways, um, as we were driving down this, I'm seeing all of these different... Um, Chains that exist in the States that I've never seen in Canada. There might be, you know, one in Toronto or something, but generally speaking, we're seeing uh, White Castle, we're seeing Sonic, we're seeing IHOP, which is the International House of Pancakes, we're seeing TGI Fridays, Chili's, Applebee's, like all these places. And I'm like, oh, I wanna, I'd like to try one of these places, you know? That's what I'm thinking. When we, so when we finished at Carlos Bakery and decided that we weren't, uh, weren't going any further, I said, okay, we're gonna try, we're gonna try one of those places. So on the road back, um sonic was the first thing that was close to us and i'm like yeah let's try that and apparently sonic is like an old drive-in style so you actually drive around back and there's like all these parking spots that have like screens and menus right next to you while you park and you look at the menu you hit this button when you're ready to order and someone takes your order once they give your order or sorry once you give the order uh a dude on roller skates um, very progressive too, by the way, cause I'm thinking of like the old ones where they used to have girls on roller skates. This one was all dudes and they were on roller blades. So technologically they're, they're keeping up with the times, but, uh, yeah, someone roller skates it out to you. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. Prices were very reasonable. I just got something small. I was just like, it's more about seeing the menu. That's all I really cared about it was like, let's see what this is all about. I see commercials for it on TV all the time. I just got like a nice breakfast wrap at like two third, or three o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm like, all right, let's try this. Uh, just got a breakfast wrap. It was cool. Uh, it's it's neat. I mean, Kamara's like, I don't know why you're so excited about this stuff, and I'm like, it's just one of those things where uh, you, this doesn't exist where we're from. You know, I see it on TV. It's like when you hear comics. There's been so many jokes made about IHOP, right? Like it's this dingy place. Where like cool, I want to see it. You know, it's right there. But it doesn't cost anything to walk in. You know, so I, we went to Sonic. And then across the street, I saw White Castle, and I was like, "Well, I just had a wrap. I go, maybe I'll try one of those White Castle burgers. Right? They're just like little sliders. I go, Harold and Kumar, right? Very, uh, very iconic. And then I thought, how funny would it be for Josh and Kumar, right? Kumar, Kumar. You guys see the connection? to To go over to White Castle and try something. Kumar was like, "They're disgusting. I, it's it's nothing special at all." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't care. I want to try it for myself." So we drove over to White Castle. And, uh, got a couple pictures outside there on the Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff for one man podcast guys. So feel free to check them out. Um, I went over to, uh, white castle. I ordered just two of their little sliders. They were like 79 cents each. So I'm like, oh, how can you lose? Right. 79 cents each. That's yeah. I said, give me two of those and a small fry. Right. I not wasn't that hungry, but it was just, let's just try it. I don't care if I throw off it. It's cost me, it cost me four bucks for two, two hamburgers and, uh, and a fry. And I got a picture of it and I, I, I'm trying to like diplomatically first off, these things were super thin. So if you take two credit cards and stack them on top of each other, I'm not even exaggerating two credit cards. That's how thick the, the patty was the meat patty. I don't want to say hamburger because there's no fucking way that that was hamburger. And it was like, yeah, it was like the size. So they're basically the size of two credit cards stacked on top of each other in terms of thickness and the the like width or shape of it. You cut a credit card in half, that's how big the patty is. So they're very small little burgers, like sliders. And the meat was, without exaggeration, it tasted like dog food. It was like light gray, light grayish sort of pink beige or whatever. So it looked kind of like uncooked. It looked like liverwurst and when we took a bite of it it tasted like dog food like worse like liver worse dog food didn't taste like a hamburger didn't have anything crispy or grilled on it it was fucking disgusting. kamar was absolutely right it was disgusting i don't think i will ever try another one as long as i live um i don't i don't know if this one white castle was not given a fuck if they left it out in the sun and then pissed on it like i i wouldn't feed it to my dog as as much as that's a fucking cliche to say, I would not feed this fucking stuff to my dog. Um, I hope to God that it was just a bad batch or just that location or what. Because there was a lot of people lining up and ordering like oh, I'll have ten of those and family meals and leaving with two big bags of the stuff. And I'm like, I I guys, I bought two. I took one like it's like two bite burgers. They're really not that big. Um, but I took like one bite and I was like, oh, that was no good. Started eating fries. Just, oh, that was, I'm like, I'll give it another try. You know, I took the second bite. I'm like, no, this is fucking gross. Like this is, I threw out the other burger. Right. So that's the thing. It's like, it's not like, oh, well, it wasn't that good, but I'll finish it. It was disgusting. It was fucking disgusting. um So yeah, I, I hope, I hope it's just that location. Anyways, that was my experience at White Castle. So again, Kamara wasn't wrong. Uh, it was gross. I never need to try it again. If anyone else ever wants to try it for yourself, hats off to you. I don't blame you at all for that. Why not? Right. That's what life's about trying things. Lucky to know I'm not in love with it too, because I'll tell you the last thing I need when I'm trying to lose weight is a place, regardless if it takes me seven hours to get there uh, to that, that sells 79 cent fucking dog burgers. Um, cause yeah, I could see myself going, yeah, give me six. like, I'm telling you, if there's a white castle in Canada, Well, first off, there will never be a White Castle in Canada because there's no way Health Canada will let people serve donkey meat to to human beings. But anyways, yeah, that that existed here. It would be like the ultimate like after bar place where it's like, yeah, give me 10 of those and fucking fries and whatever. It's dirt cheap, but it's it is dirt. It's it's disgusting. Anyways, I'll move on. Um, If you haven't been to White Castle, I can tell you right now you're not missing anything. Um, some of the other places, like I said, Sonic was delicious. Uh, Kamar got a double burger from Sonic and he's like, dude, that was amazing. I offered him the other, the other burger at White Castle. He's like, no, I just had a great meal. Why would I ruin it with the fucking taste of that shit? So that's what we did. We did Sonic White Castle. Um, we drove to, uh, Westchester County cause, uh, Kamar had remembered that Paul said he lived in Westchester County. So after we were done there, we got in the road and we drove up to, you know, back across the bridge into the New York area. We found a Starbucks. I started posting some stuff. And, uh, and then Paul messaged and said, Hey, you know, Hey guys, can you come at like seven 30? gave us the address. Said no problem. Drove to Paul's neighborhood in uh, Westchester. I, uh, that's, that's as close as I will distinguish where he lives because I'm not going to just say, Hey, we, we were right, right in this area. But uh, I will say that the area was beautiful. We drove up a giant Hill to Paul's property. Um, beautiful, beautiful houses in the area. In fact, Paul had even mentioned that, uh, David Letterman lives in his neighborhood. So if that gives you an idea of how nice the place was, um, it was great I mean uh we sat down we uh we did the podcast Paul had ordered um some he was asking you know hey you guys want you guys want to have dinner or you know uh, you know you want to do the podcast first And at this point at seven thirty we know we have a long drive back um so we just said, well you know you guys we don't want you to cook for us that's what kamar and I were saying, you know like thank you for inviting us here and really the priority is to to sit down and not shoot the shit and record the podcast so um you know Paul and his lovely wife um we're, uh, we're sort of just taking it easy before we got there. And uh, it, rightly so is the day after he just had like a huge, huge, uh, comedy milestone recorded his podcast, huge decompression day. So we were just like, you know what? We don't, we don't, you don't have to cook. You don't have to do anything. Just, we can just do the podcast, you know, have a drink. That'll be great. And, uh, but midway through, he's like, you know, let's, let's right, right before, right before we started, he's like, you know what? I'm going to order something. Let's, let's order something. So, uh, we decided to go with Italian and Paul had ordered three, uh, chicken parm sandwiches. And I'm expecting something that like fits on a ciabatta bun. You know what I mean? Something small, like a veal parm. Yeah, no problem. You know, reasonably sized. These things were like fucking 14 inches long. Like these giant submarines. They had like three chicken breasts on them each. You know what I mean? Like three chicken breasts. Oh, was so, so, so fucking delicious. So delicious. Then we had the, the cannolis after dinner. And, uh, you know, we would the podcast. It was a good time. It was really a good time. Uh, Paul, even, uh, he'd received a lot of, you know, cigars and and whiskey and things like that, because he's a big, uh, big fan, big connoisseur of that stuff. So Paul, uh, Paul poured us each a drink, gave us each a cigar. We went out, sat back out in the back porch, um, sort of the back seating area. I don't even know what to call it. It was just like a nice stone area in his property and, uh, you know, shot the shit, got to sort of just, uh, reflect on how the special went, how the after party was, Light up cigars, like like three gentlemen, just sit and smoke those things. And uh, and Bob's your uncle, you know? I don't know. It, it was it was great. It was great connecting with my friend. It was great to just sort of hang out with him, like, away from all of the the work stuff and just congratulate him on the job well done. As I mentioned, guys, the podcast that I recorded will be available for you on Friday. Um, so so we'll get more into the, the nitty gritty of it. But, um, ultimately I'm just, I'm really happy for my friend. He, uh, he had a great special. He, he had a great time. He was surrounded by wonderful people, very loving, uh, very supportive. It was an honor to be welcomed to his home, uh, to, you know, to, to, to sit and, and chat with him and, and have dinner and have a cigar and just sort of, you know, it was a nice book into the trip. And, uh, he was even kind enough to offer to let us stay. Um, but we had a long trip back and, um, you know, Kamar has work tomorrow. I I gotta get back to my life. Right, I did get this podcast done. I can tell you right now, if we'd stayed, probably probably wouldn't have got this done. But at the same time, didn't want to didn't want to overstay our welcome. You know, um, I know that Paul would have been more than happy to have us, but it was just uh, he was so gracious as is that I just wanted to make sure that you know didn't we didn't, didn't want to overstay <laughs> our welcome or whatever. So um, we uh, we got in the car. It was probably midnight when we left, and uh, we started the long drive back. I had to stop several times. And, uh, and just sleep for 30 minutes when I felt myself starting to fall asleep. Um, and we didn't get back until, uh, very early this morning, but it's nice to be home. I loved seeing New York. I love seeing New Jersey. Um, I, I definitely have a special place for the States as, as crazy, as crazy as they are are made to seem on television and stuff like that. And, and, you know, Canada acts like they were so much better than them. There's, there was so many wonderfully friendly people, so many, so many beautiful areas, um, definitely if you haven't been to, to New York or New Jersey or anything like that, just the drive down alone its seven hours. And that might seem like a crazy amount of time, but you know, we, we left at like 11 o'clock. We got there at like six, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't that brutal, beautiful hills and, and drive. Anyways, all that be saying, I'm happy to be home. I'm happy to be able to share this story with you guys. Um, I, I look forward to the next time, you know what I mean? That, uh, that I go, cause I, I will go back down again. I made some great connections. um, Really looking forward to uh, to my next trip down there and and thank you guys so much for listening to that uh that that long story. I hope it was entertaining for you. If uh if I missed anything or if you'd like to know more about any particular aspects, hey, what do we do, Josh? Well, you send me an email, of course, to contact at onemanpodcast.com Um I had a great time with Kamar too. It was an, it was a cool opportunity. We we spent a lot of time together, um just shooting the shit, you know what I mean? Listening to music, uh talking. I mean, we're both we're both comics from Canada. we we have, uh, we have it in common that we're, you know, we we were the same as everybody else in the same fraternity, but nobody knew who we are or who we were. You know what I mean? But it, it's kind of cool. Like you can be with some comedians who are like, who are way too out there. Um, I don't know if this makes sense, but that after party, um, at barley on the Hudson, um, we, we didn't, we knew who a lot of these people were. Right. But never met them. You know, they're big deals. And it's sometimes it's hard to, uh, you know be around people that you want to just be like, dude, you're the fucking greatest. You know, there are some young comedians who would just run up to someone and try to monopolize the conversation and, and scare them away or whatever, um, because they're so excited to meet them, but not going like, Hey man, this is, this is a guy who's friends with, uh, you know, the man of the hour. They're just, this is the friend. This is an after party, this is just a bunch of buddies hanging out who are happy for their friend. You know, so it was really cool. Like, I mean, not that I would have expected otherwise, but, um, I, I was happy to have Kamar there because Kamar is very, very good in social situations. He's got good energy. Um, you know, he's, he's good to do his own thing. It's not like the two of us were tethered to each other or anything like that. So it was very cool that, you know, just, just every, every 40 minutes or so I'd go up to him. Do you having fun buddy? He's like, yeah, I'm having a good time. i having a blast, you know, and just <laughs> back to it. So, uh, it was, uh, he was definitely a good partner in crime to have for the, uh, the entire trip. We definitely got at each other a little bit. We were, we were both a little stressed just in terms of time and, and how long is the drive back going to be? And, you know, where are we going next? Where are we supposed to be? You know, uh, again, with Kamar losing his wallet, I can definitely imagine the stress involved in that. So, um, you know, for, for better or worse, we had a good trip and, uh, and, uh, yeah. So I, uh, I, I'd, I'd be happy to, uh, to, to hit the road with him again. Um, Yeah. Anyways, of course, maybe a little bit more it's it's like this, the Halifax trip that we did, guys. Is it just we tried to fit a lot into a short period of time? It's uh it's good to be ambitious, but sometimes you have to be a little bit more realistic too. Um anywho, great trip all around. Um yeah, and if I missed anything, feel free to ask, guys. I'm uh still like I mean, I, I'm I'm looking forward to reading some some of uh, your guys' uh some stuff this week. Um I'm still reading my, my last words, I mentioned that in the version interview for you guys to check out on Friday. Um, what can I say? I mean, maybe it's time to just move forward to the sponsors, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, Oh, I thought the episode was going to wrap up. Oh no, we're just at the halfway mark. No, I'm just kidding. Just the sponsor stuff guys. And of course this week, um, in honor of the fact that Paul has been doing so well, um, just for just for the time amount of time that I've known him, how well his podcast is going, how hard he's been working at everything, and now with his special, I would say that my buddy Paul Verzi is definitely unstoppable. And, uh, and because of that, this week I will be reading from my partners at Portable Press, Uncle John's Unstoppable Bathroom Leader is the addition from this week. Um, very excited to read this one. This one is an article called lonely phone booth. Okay. So I picked this one out just this evening. I'm really kind of excited to share it with you guys because it's interesting, a little different than some of the other ones I've read. So, uh, again, the article is called lonely phone booth in the 1960s. Some miners put a phone booth in the middle of the Mojave desert long after they left the booth remained waiting for someone to call. So the first section is called hello. Anybody there? Miles from the nearest town, the old phone booth stood at the junction of two dirt roads. Its windows were shot out, the overhead light was gone. Yet the phone lines on the endless rows of poles still popped and clicked in anticipation, just as they'd been doing for nearly 30 years. Finally, in 1997, it rang. A guy named Deuce had read about the phone booth and called the number, and continued to call until a desert dweller named Lorreen answered. Deuce wrote a story about his call to nowhere, posted it on his website, and the word spread throughout cyberspace. Someone else called, then another person, and another, just to see if someone would answer, and quite often, someone did. Only accessible by four-wheel drive, the lonely phone booth soon became a destination. Travelers drove for hours just to answer the phone. One Texas man camped there for 32 days and answered more than 500 calls. Second session, section, reach out and touch someone. Someone posted a call log in the booth to record where people were calling from, as close as Los Angeles and as far away as New Zealand and Kosovo. Why'd they call? Some liked the idea of two people who'd never met and probably never will talking to each other, just sending a call out into the great void and having someone else answer was rewarding enough for most. Unfortunately, in 2000... The National Park Service and Pacific Bell tore down the famous Mojave phone booth. Reason? It was getting too many calls. The traffic, 20 to 30 visitors a day, was starting to have a negative impact on the fragile desert environment. The old stop sign at the cattle grate still swings in the wind, and the phone lines still pop and click in anticipation, but all that's left of the loneliest phone on earth is a ghost ring. So if the urge strikes you to dial, this is here and here's the number, area code 760-733-9969, be prepared to wait a very, very long time for someone to answer. And, uh, and the little uh, note at the bottom of the page says, polite tip from etiquette experts. If no one answers the phone after six rings, hang up. So that was this week's edition of Uncle John's Bathroom Reader from the Unstoppable Edition from my partners at PortablePress.com. So as always, guys, there's a ton of these bathroom readers out. In fact, um, I posted a picture on Instagram I believe it was either on, um, my Josh Williams one or one man podcast as I'm now starting to do just one of them, um, at a time, of course, um, the, the, the bad, the Airbnb that we stayed at, Steve has, uh, like 12 of these bathroom meters, and they're like almost all editions that I don't have. So it was very cool to see that he too was a fan of, uh, of the uncle John's bathroom readers from PortablePress.com. They have so many different ones out guys. Uh, and it's great. Just little trivia, stuff like this, just like one or two pages. Like I said, they're, they're great to read in the bathroom. If you're weird like that, I, I think it's gross to to bring paper into a humid environment, but you can read in the bathroom. That's what they're designed for. I like to read them before bed. So just fun little facts, ways to fill your head with knowledge Um, In your spare time, you know, hey, do you drive a ride share like me? Well, maybe sometimes you have a few minutes to kill between rides. One of these books would be the perfect way to fill that time. Um, And as always, guys, I've got my partners at Absolute Comedy as well. Um, Happy to be home. Looking forward to seeing the shows this week. I'm going to play my usual promo for you. Absolute Comedy is the best live stand-up comedy from across North America with locations in Kingston, Toronto, and Ottawa, Ontario. These comedians have been featured on Just for Laughs, Netflix, Comedy Central, CBC's The Debaters, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Conan, The Comedy Network, and much, much more. Go to AbsoluteComedy.ca to see this week's lineup. Planning a night out is easy with dinner and show packages available at all locations. Live comedy is a great choice if you're organizing a celebration, fundraiser, company outing, or corporate event. Want the show brought to you? They'll send comedians to your venue with performances tailored to your event, creating a night of laughs your guests will love and won't soon forget. So for showtimes, ticket prices, gift certificates, special shows, and more, head to absolutecomedy.ca. Again, that's absolutecomedy.ca for the best live stand-up comedy from across North America. And as always, if you happen to live in the Ottawa area and think you might be funny and like to start stand-up comedy, why not try it out for yourself? You can go to openmicmondays.com. And, uh, and register and, uh, you know, try to, try to get yourself on a a show, try stand up for the first time, see if you got what it takes. Uh, the amateur nights, uh, there's a few different amateur nights in Ottawa, but the best place to start is the open mic Mondays, of course. Uh, and you can do that at OpenMicMondays.com. So very, very cool thing. I've had some friends in the last few months, uh, you know, decide they want to try it. They, they signed up and, uh, and did great their first time. So very, very excited for them. You never know, right? There's always, there's always more room for sharks in the tank. You know what I'm saying, guys? And uh, and this evening, as much as I am exhausted and don't really feel like uh, drinking, I do, of course, love me some Summersbee. Mm-hmm. So I've been drinking a coffee and a Summersbee. Um, not together, right? I'm not trying to make another white summer concoction, right? Hey, if you mix a cup of coffee with a Summersbee red rhubarb, you get yourself a... Uh, podcast power that's what we'll call it right just something to could get you through a podcast but uh but i do love the taste of a good summer's bee right and don't you guys don't you my my loyal listeners who are sending me your pictures of your summer's bee everybody loves summer's bee guys let me play their ad for you the sun gives life to the orchard the orchard gives life to the apple the apple gives life to summer's bee Summersbee is a delicious sweet taste of sunshine imported across the ocean all the way from Denmark. The people in Denmark are smarter and so are you if you drink Summersbee. (laughs) With flavors like apple, blackberry, pear, elderflower lime, red rhubarb and a taste as regal as this fake accent, there's something for everyone to enjoy. And now... You can try them all in the Summersby mixer pack, available wherever fine beverages are sold. So go on and try for yourself the crisp, refreshing taste of Summersby. Ah, your taste buds deserve it. Please drink resplendently. And just another reminder, my good friends at Summersby and, uh, and of course Carlsberg, the parent company, have given me another Cronenberg, or I shouldn't say another one. They've given me the, the, uh, uh Cronenberg poker set. So this is another reminder that I'm going to come up with something. I'm sorry, last week really was quite busy and I, I didn't, uh, you know, the poker set's been sitting here. It's not been in New York with me. So out of sight, out of mind. So just a reminder, um, in the next little bit, I'm going to, uh, be giving this away. I'm going to find a way to do that. Just a way to get you guys to enter whatever. So if you're looking for a nice poker set, I will have one to give away soon. So, um, so keep that in mind. And, um, and what have I got coming up this week? All right. Do I have another action packed week? Well, I do not. I don't have as big an action packed week as I did last week, but I'm still excited, right? Bring on the life universe. Keep waking me up in the morning and I'm going to keep living it. Um, I'm going to be working on the finishing, finishing my taxes, like a big boy, finally get 2016 out of the way. I've been working on it, making progress. I'm running out of Jersey shore. So I might just actually put my nose down and finish them for a change. Um, I, I, I it's so weird. Like I, at first year, I'm like embarrassed to say that I watched the show. Um, if I watched it and wanted to be like them, I would probably jump off a bridge. I'm just watching the train wreck. I think that's, that's probably what was popular about it was just to see these people and go, these are, these are real human beings and they're not joking. <laughs> they're not joking. This is, they think that they're anyways, that's, that's judgy and shitty, but I loves me a train wreck. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and to the point where, like I said, when I was in New Jersey, I actually considered going down there. So anywho, I'm going to get my taxes done this week. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, as, uh, as mentioned several times already, my interview with Paul Verzi that'll come out on Friday. Um, I'm really excited for you guys to hear that it's, uh, it it was a pretty good talk, you know, um, it was great to to sort of hear what he was going through on his way, working up at the special. And of course, to get some more info on, uh, you know, how he came up in comedy, you know, it's, it's great to see a guy at the height of his success, but sometimes it always helps to, to gain some inspiration by listening to how someone else started and to hear the ups and downs that they've gone through as well. So, um, please, uh, please listen to that interview when it comes in on Friday. It's, uh, it's great. I had a fun time talking with him. Um, and I hope that you enjoy it. Um, my buddy, Johnny, Johnny sent in a a riddle a little while ago. Um, Johnny's getting married. Congratulations to, uh, Johnny Stevenson. Um, he's going to get married in, uh, next month in September and his bachelor party's on Saturday. So we're going to go hang out. We're going to, we're going to do some, hit some balls, play some pool, drink some beverages. Um, I am going to have to step out, uh, on the, the day's festivities for just a brief period of time. As I do have a show at local heroes, a nice uh, place, um, on Saturday night, I'm hosting a show in uh, bell's corners in Ottawa. So looking forward to that, that's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, and then back to, uh, back to drinking with my buddy. Uh, for his bachelor party. So that's, uh, I'm excited for that. And I finally get to return to my, uh, my wonderful open mic Monday show that I produce. Uh, absolute had their competition last month and, uh, didn't get a chance to be a part of it. I was in New York yesterday. Um, so I wasn't able to do the show, you know, run my show there. So I'm just looking forward to being back in my, uh, back, seeing some, some up and coming comics doing, uh, doing what they love, which is just telling jokes, make people laugh. I'm looking forward to that. So that's gonna be my week coming up. I'm looking to fill in some more fun stuff. I think I'm going to be sitting down uh, to interview another great comic this week. Again, before I drop names and get anyone excited. um, I just, just know that you might have another interview to look forward to next week. Um, You know, after, uh, after Paul's, of course, on Friday. So um, yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that I have left at this point, guys, is to read the email uh, that I received. I didn't, uh, I, I got my email from Chris where he had sent in the board games um, last week I read one called, uh, do I remember what it was called? It's not the one. Sorry. I'm moving the fucking paper here. It's stuck under the cords. Um, geez, what, what's the fucking name of the one last week? I do have like dead air while I'm trying to remember it. I'm not going to be able to, my, my OCD and my neuroses is going to keep me from being able to move on until I remember what the name of that game was. All right, brain. What can you do? We have, we have code names as the name of the game this week. And I did post the picture on Instagram. So I know that that, that one exists. <laughs> I'm like, that's what we're going to be talking about. Pandemic was the name of the fucking one there. The oh about the about the, the the viruses and stuff like that. Well, this week's game is called Codename, guys. And I'm going to say that um, Chris has done a masterful job of, of giving these instructions. So they might sound a little complicated. But what I would suggest is if you are, of course, interested in this at all... Um, just whip hit, uh, hit Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, one man podcast. And, uh, the pictures of what the game looks like with the pieces laid out and stuff like that are there. So if you're interested in this, grab the, grab your phone, look at Instagram, um, you know, or the other ones and just, it'll make a lot more sense. So this one actually sounds like a lot of fun. It's got a bit of a, like a cards against humanity aspect to it. I think, um, at least from what I understood of it before. So just know that there's, um, this seems like a fun game. Again, more of, more or less looking for activities. I've been doing a lot of new stuff lately, right? You guys have heard me talking about, you know, VR stuff and, you know, playing different games and, and just having a bunch of fun doing different things. Well, this game here, Codenames, seems like another one that's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. So, and Codenames, this is this is Chris's email. A party game by designer Vlada Shavit, uh, Shavatil. Codenames is played in two groups, the red team and the blue team. The box says two to eight plus players, but I don't recommend two. On the table, you will make a tableau of 25 cards in a five by five grid. All right, so five cards down, five cards across. Uh, Each card has a single word on it, such as bridge, wall, grace, angel, etc. From each team, you choose one red Codemaster and one blue Codemaster. The Codemasters will have a secret key card that they share that has a recreation of the 5x5 grid on it. Some of the spots on the key cards are colored red, some are blue. They correspond to the word cards on the table that the code masters are trying to get their team to identify. The red and blue spots make up 17 of the 25 spots on the key card grid, 9 for the team that goes first, 8 for the other team. The rest of the card is filled with neutral beige spots and one black assassin spot of death. On their turn, the Codemaster is able to say one word and one number. Going back to my example of the words bridge, wall, grace, angel, assuming it's the blue team's turn, they might say construct for two, meaning that their team must identify two cards on the table that have to do with the word construct. Assuming that the words bridge and wall belong to the blue team, that would be a good clue. Now let's assume that the word tower was also on the table. It was the black assassin card and the Codemaster didn't realize. As their team discusses with two cards, or sorry, which two cards might be associated with construct, their finger passes over tower. This sends the Codemaster into silent panic. The Codemaster cannot speak other than giving the clue and identifying the color of the card their team chooses. That is red or that is blue or that is beige, for example. They cannot give facial cues or anything. It becomes quite funny to see them in silent anguish. Clues that begin with, it's a long shot, but, are also not allowed. Nothing that hints at the possible difficulty of the clue. If the team correctly guesses the chosen cards, then good for them. It's now the red team's turn. The game goes back and forth until one team has correctly found all of their words. At this point, the Codemasters give up their title to the next player in line. You flip all the cards over, the cards are double-sided, offering hundreds of unique words and countless game setups, and start again. I have never, ever seen this game miss with any audience. It is a total grandma pleaser, <laughs> yet awesome enough for a young, hip crowd. There are currently two other versions of the game. Codename Pictures, which uses odd double-meaning pictures such as a bear wearing a soldier's uniform or a turtle with vegetation on its back instead of words. The other is the obligatory adult version, Codenames Deep Undercover, which will make you try and string together words like bondage, kid, kid sorry, start over because give me a lot of examples here. Uh, which will try to make you st- uh, string together words like bondage, kitty, semen, emission, tea bag, clam, tip, spank, condom, sex, fatty, hamster, tit, hole, shaft, joystick, schmegma, beaver, stiff, onion, koozie, necklace, sperm, eat, nuts, vomit, and more. I love how you give me like twenty-seven examples, and you're like, and more. <laughs> and I don't know why onion is on the list with all that dirty shit. But anyways. Codenames gets a high recommendation from me for its simple and flexible rules, large entertainment value, and the brain burny feeling you get when you solve a crossword or some shit like that. Thank you so much, Chris, for uh, the recommendation. Again, as I mentioned, guys, if you haven't done it already, and this sounds kind of interesting, like I said, when you see the pictures, all of the stuff I just said makes a lot of sense. It actually looks like it's a lot easier than it sounds, but, uh, yeah, it's almost like uh, like word bingo where you give a clue. I mean, I could be wrong, but this is what I've understood from it. It's almost like you lay these cards out and it's word bingo. So someone says something and if you guess one of the words, you know, if that, if that clue corresponds with the word and they guess it and that's on the color. You know, that ends up being the color that you needed it. It ends up working out. Anyways, Chris, uh, as always, thank you so much for sending uh, this email. in. we've got one more board game that Chris has sent in that I will read next week. Um, But in the meantime, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. This actually wasn't as long as I thought it would be. Uh, It felt like the New York trip story was going to end up being a lot longer and maybe just felt really, really long. Like there was a lot of things that that went on, but um, I I really had a, a blast on the trip um, I, I, was very excited to talk about it with you guys. I had a great week, man, with all the things I did, seeing a couple of movies, playing the, the VR stuff, doing the show here. And then of course, just all the craziness of New York. It was a good week. And, uh, and I'm glad I got to share that with you guys. So, um, I'm going to get this thing, uh, produced here and up on the internet for you because I'm a couple hours later than I like being. So uh, I look forward to, uh, to hearing what you guys think. Enjoy the interview with Verzi on Friday and I will talk to you episode 15 next week.